Okay, I'm going to run some of these ideas by you. Okay. Um, the first one is... Is, it, is this like Shark Tank? No. Okay. No, these are... I mean, I no, I don't think any of them are really. These are just sort of ideas of things I've had that I would never be able to do, but I would want somebody to do, right? Okay. So the first one, uh, I'd like to see a long-running sitcom, just like an average run-of-the-mill sitcom. Seinfeld. Right, that's on for a decade, right? And then in the last, the very last season, the main character starts acting completely differently than they've ever act, mm-hmm. acted. And then in the last episode, he dies suddenly from a brain tumor. Okay. <laughs> so this is, this is a funny sitcom. It think, just is an average sitcom. Think Full House. It was that idea was more birthed from how weird it is that you can get a brain tumor that literally changes the way you act. And makes you act completely completely different. differently. So he turns into Walter White in one episode. No, the the entire last season. Oh, the entire and last season. And everyone's like, why is he acting this way? And and then you have to deal with like sh- the strain it puts on relationships and you know what I mean? And then everyone's like, Man, this guy's really a jerk, but then it's like Oh, he had a brain tumor. I think that your it, it's funny, but I think that your um, corollary of that idea has been done. If you go back, like I don't know television history as well as some people, but like all in the family. No, not all in the family. What's Roseanne. Steve Urkel. Oh, Family Matters. Family Matters. They had some really crazy stuff happen on that thing. Sure. But I mean, like Roseanne, the entire last season was supposed to be a dream or whatever. I, I know that okay. was something. All right, here's I've got an idea for a couple Mario Maker levels, even though I don't have a Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So the first one is I want to make I want someone to make a Mario Maker level where all it is is like Mario just running through almost like an Arkham Asylum Asylum esque prison. And he's just like running past all these people he's either killed or trapped behind bars, right? And you're uh-huh. and you get a slow realization of how much of a violent psychopath Mario is. Somebody did a, a level like that. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. And um I also want a Mario Maker level where the entire thing is just like a maze of it's like a nightmare maze of trapped princesses and you can never save them, right? I don't know how that one ends, but I just want an endless amount of princesses that he can never get to and it becomes, it haunts him. Has somebody done that? Yeah, kind of. Go on. Okay, next idea. So there's a lot of father baby games coming out recently. Mm-hmm. You know, that dragon cancer. That dragon cancer on the more serious side, but then like the, um, where the baby tries to kill itself. Right. The right where the where one person plays the baby and the other person plays the dad, trying to keep it from killing itself. And then there's did you see the shower one? That one's really weird. There's a shower no. one. Yeah. Um. So I want a game where you play a father. 
who is trying to play a game and the game that you're trying to play is like the most fun game you've ever played in your life, mm-hmm. but you can only play it for 30 seconds at a time because there's a baby you have to take care of, right? And the baby taking care of is really boring and tedious, but you have to do that before you can play the game. And then you're playing the super fun game and it is always abruptly cut short because you have to take care of the baby. Okay, I like it. All right. Um, I thought, and I'm sure this has been suggested elsewhere, after watching some of the, ba- the, the debates, I was thinking that um, Canada should make a tourism commercial using only footage from the Republican debates. <laughs> so basically, we're not America. Basically, basically, here's Trump talking about his dick size on a nationally televised presidential debate move to Canada. Come here. Yeah. Um, okay. A story or maybe a short film about a guy who fakes disabilities. I already don't like this to avoid whatever, um, sort of social situation he's in. Right. So if he's going to get his hair cut, he pretends like he's mute, like he can't talk. Okay. Right? Or if he's, uh, uh, or, or if, you know, he goes somewhere else, he pretends he's deaf, so he doesn't have to listen to people. Right? And then he gets, like, people start recognizing, like, oh, you're the deaf guy, but he's pretending right. to be mute, and he's like, yeah, he gets caught. Sure. Okay. Uh, the last one I have. Oh, is one that we talked about last week off air, but it was just the news show that only consisted of two people telling each other to shut up. <laughs> just yelling at each other to shut up. You know what I like about these? It, it takes somebody outside of the bar. It takes somebody outside of the system to really critique the system well and to bring <laughs> new, fresh ideas. And I think you've proven that in every single one of those. <laughs> yeah, they don't seem... Well, to be fair to myself, a lot of these were written a long time ago, so they're not as fresh in my head. You know what I always wanted? An idea of mine since childhood? When I saw the people had pump sneakers that could mm-hmm. pump air, I was like, what if you had, like, fruit by the foot sneakers where you could pump and you would, like, eject fruit by the foot out of the back? You could just always have a little snack. I mean, that sounds really gross. Why? Because you're keeping fruit by the foot in your shoe. Yeah, but it could have its own kind of plastic container that it's, it's, you kind of eject that container and put a new fresh fruit by the foot in there and you stick it back in there and it's, no. it's fully kind of like separate. So it's not, um, like sweat. It'd be too big. There. It'd be too big. You could work it in. Sneakers are get sneakers got pretty out of control. I think in the, uh, early nineties. Yeah. I mean those early pumps that that was a that was a a full system you're wearing on your on your feet there. <laughs> Had little pockets in it, tubes. Yeah, I don't know. That, plus plus you think about like how wet your pants get 
just when no, you like wet when the ground is get. wet, like the bottom of your pants, and then you're in, and you're like, how did the bottom of my pants get so wet? Yeah, I need some fruit by the foot right now to try and figure this out. you think of Zootopia? We didn't get to talk about it at all. Uh, I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. Were you at all surprised or caught off guard by the racism stuff? A little bit, but it, I kind of felt like I, I felt like me, I didn't know if it was because it was Disney, but I felt like they just kind of pushed it through and they are just like, Deal with it. It's okay. Yeah. We're Disney. I, I was I, like, okay, I guess I'm okay with it. But uh, it, it got a little specific. Exactly. I was surprised at how heavy handed it was. And I've heard the, I've heard the comparison made to like Frozen. It's like, yeah, Frozen's about these things. Look, I've seen Frozen more times than I would have ever wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I still could not tell you what that movie is about. In terms of like the allegories it's making. Sisterly love. I'm sure someone could point it out to me. I'm still not very sure. There are moments in Zootopia where I was like, like the dialogue with the bunny and the tiger. I was like, wow, that is a very clear allegory for non-black people using the N-word. <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's kind of, um, well, I mean, I think what's interesting about it is, and of, uh, of course the movie is, is the viewership the age of the viewership varies and 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 of course my three and two-year-old girls are obviously not going to pick up on that stuff but is a 12-year-old kid going to pick up on that stuff is that just for the adults like how much of an influence is that really that's what i find interesting about it outside of the fact of yes how blatant it is in some of the things not I and I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. It just yeah. it just really caught me off guard. I thought it was odd the little kid sitting next to me. I think he's like three. He turned to his mom and he was like, "They're talking about the N word, right, mom?" And she was like, "Yep, <laughs> that's right." But he said it, and I was like, oh, "Okay, uh-huh. yeah, I guess." So, I mean, that he, kid was he, black he, though, so I guess he it's, was it's okay, right? Yeah, yeah, he got it. Yeah, that's the only thing that I mean. I, I liked it a lot. We saw it twice, obviously. Um, you know, what I've realized. My son has seen about 13 movies. He's cried at every single one of them. <laughs> but I mean, you know what's strange about that is like the He was the only one wailing. Well, yes. But the but it but it was <clears throat> it was during it and sort of an appropriate moment in the movie, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It was during a very emotionally charged moment, so Listen, that's one reason why I love my son. And I know everyone's like, oh, my, my kid is gorgeous. My kid is. I think my son is truly unique because you look around in that theater and you got kids like picking their nose or they're like not understanding what's happening. And he is bawling his eyes out that Judy Hopps is having to turn in her badge. Right. You know, like he is connecting with this story on a very deep level. Um, so it, it's not like inappropriate crying. 
but he can't yet modulate his uh, his empathy. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I I liked it. Like I said, I just thought the racism stuff was was interesting. How hard they they hit that. Oh yeah, they hit hard. Um, so we saw Cloverfield. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um. I think we should s- start by talking about um, the director. Mm-hmm. So it's directed by Dan Trachtenberg. Everyone's good friend right. in the we, whole entire world. Right. We've talked about, uh, in the past, we've talked about expectations going into a movie based on the director, what you, you know, seeing a movie because of the director, blah, blah, blah. But with that being said, and yes, everyone who listens to podcasts, good friend, Dan Trachtenberg, I think going into it, um, yeah, you, I wanted it to be good, right? Like as silly as it is, it's kind of like, yeah, this guy's like, I've been following this guy for over a decade, you know, since Mm -hmm. he was doing geek drome and it's like. I of course now I want this movie to be good, so it's kind of, it's it just is an interesting position to be in, right? Because it's like I feel like I know this guy, even though I've never met him before. So it's 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 kind of an interesting place to be in, where we've had so much, we have so much access to people now that I've been following this guy for literally more than a decade before he made his first movie. You know what I mean? Before he was even really a director. Mm-hmm. It just is a weird, um, it's kind of a weird thing. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like everyone is like personalizing moments that aren't really theirs individually. Right. It's like, man, I remember Danny and I <clears throat> hanging out and he was on the Tolly Ride show and I was watching on my, computer and he was reviewing Mm -hmm. whatever it is like that's not your that's not personal memory yeah i know that people do identify just because of length and time of being like no i've I've been following this guy and it's one of those weird things where people are we're starting to see people who mature in the public eye yeah where it's like you know like when this came out everyone was talking about his original review of cloverfield which wasn't very good. He didn't really, oh, really? like Cloverfield <laughs> and it's and it's archived for all time. Right. With him basically saying he he didn't like the uh like the handheld kind of mm-hmm. found footage aspect of it. Yeah. Um and now here he is doing a spiritual sequel. So I, I find it interesting from that perspective. I don't feel a connection to Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah. But I do find it interesting that you're starting to see people who have had different identities online over the course of like a decade. And now it's like, now I'm a filmmaker and please don't know as much as about me as you do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and one of the reasons that I followed him for so long was because our sensibilities sort of matched up on the, on the things he would talk about the Cloverfield review, et cetera. Um, So it's interesting to see that, played out when he is, you know, in charge basically. Yeah. Um 
So what was your overall impression of the movie? Overall, I liked it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, it's perfectly encapsulated in the way that he's been talking about, which is it's an episode of the twilight zone, mm-hmm. which is exactly what it is. And for that, it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, performances are great down the line. Um, really? Whoa, wait. Who? You think John Goodman's performance is great? Yes. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. The, the, the second thing I wrote down. You're insane. The second thing I wrote down is John Goodman's performance is uneven. And did you see Sharpling's tweet about no. John Goodman's performance? This is. Ex- I don't, this I don't is exactly, look for validation. This is exactly how I feel about John Goodman's performance. Tom Sharpling had a tweet that said something along the lines of John Goodman in 10 Cloverfield Lane could be nominated for an Oscar I and a that. Razzie for best and worst performance. And I would be, and I would understand or whatever. Right. And that's how it felt to me. There were moments where I was like, wow, this is really good. And there were moments from John Goodman where I was like, wow, this is really okay, bad. What's a bad one. I can't point them out specifically. Done. Straw man destroyed. <laughs> Next yeah, exactly. Topic. Um, so that's how I felt coming out of the movie was that his performance was. I, I, I wasn't sure if it was great because of how uncomfortable it was or if it was just a bad performance. That's how I felt about it. I'm not saying that's how you should feel about it. Well, you're feeling wrong. I'm, saying I'm voicing my wrong. opinion. Well, I'm saying your opinion's wrong. All right. Um, go ahead then. You like the movie what? performances were great across the board. Anything else? Um, you know, I, I've heard some people have a problem with the video game ending kind of, mm-hmm. um, so I guess we're just straight up spoiling. If you're, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I do have a problem with the Molotov cocktail, mm-hmm. but I, my, my counter argument in my own mind to that is lighten up, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a Twilight Zone episode with a with a huge payoff, which I was grateful for. Mm-hmm. I I am the one thing I was left with is we've gotten to the point with films where we've seen so much of the same thing that to do something original means you have to now subvert deconstruct or you have to go further than any other film has before or else it's going to feel like a derivative of you know 15 movies that came before Mm -hmm. and with this movie i felt like they i was left again with what what was done i liked but i was left feeling i wish they would have subverted the expect my expectations a little more Mm -hmm. and you know, what What I kind of wanted was just like, what if John Goodman was a good guy all the way through? And what if she had to leave the bunker for, a, you know, because a fire started or something out of their control, you know, um, instead of John Goodman being, you know, revealed as the big bad, which is something that I was expecting to happen the entire time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the trickiness of the ending is is the pro for me the problem with the ending is 
it it feels a little out of place. It feels really out of place because you've just mm. watched a hundred a hundred. You've just watched an hour and twenty minutes of a of a of a three p of a drama of three people trapped in a bunker. Right. And then you get ten minutes of eighties big budget action alien movie, which is fine. I don't think the sequence, I think the sequence itself is done well. I have no problems with it overall. It just is kind of tricky because I think because the movie is called Cloverfield, first of all, it has Cloverfield in the store, in the title, Mm -hmm. you know what is outside of the bunker from the second you've gone into the movie. Yeah. It's not the same monster as Cloverfield. Yeah, but I mean, you you know, it has to be a monster, right? Right. Or else, why would it be called Cloverfield? Um, so I feel like that ending only works if it does work because of the title of the movie, right? Because on on some level, you're expecting you're expecting that. it. You're expecting aliens and monsters to be out there. Um, the, it's it's almost a way of calling your shot. You know, it's yeah. it's like what people say when they when they get annoyed at movies. They're like, just because you say, you know the character's stupid doesn't mean that they can then act stupid. You right. Know? In this one, it's kind of like, hey, it's about monsters. And then when the monsters come out, it's like, see, we told you. It's Cloverfield. Yeah. It's, it almost seems a way of like getting out ahead of that criticism. Yeah. And and with that being said, like I said, the, that last sequence, I think it's done really well. When she first gets out of the bunker and, you know, y- you start learning that the world is is actually not poisoned the air isn't poisoned Mm -hmm. and you're learning all this visually right Mm -hmm. none of it's it's all communicated visually so it's all filmed very well it just is such a hard right turn that i think it can't help but feel a little awkward maybe that would go away watching it the second time you know knowing exactly what you're getting into as soon as she gets out yeah the you bring up John the John Goodman potentially being a good guy. The thing that I found the strangest about this movie is that it's more or less revealed that they are trapped in a pedophile's sex dungeon where he's kidnapped a girl and presumably raped her and put her body in a barrel of acid. Right. I mean, that's the, yes, that is something that's more or less hinted at that. I thought was like, that's a really dark overtone to put over, to put on this whole thing. Um, so that was something that just made me like, I just thought it was uncomfortable. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. But there are moments in the movie that I I, I liked it too. I, I thought it was good. Um, but the the and I guess the thing, part of John. I mean, John Goodman's performance I just thought was uneven. Like I, I I could take half of his lines and be like, yeah, that was great, and I could take half and be like, no, that was not great. That was bad. Um, for example, the when they're playing the game, um, I see you when you're sleeping. Yeah, I know what you're which doing. Which is a great setup, and it's and it's written well, and all the things they're doing with that is 
is awesome. I love what they're doing with it. But John Goodman starts going so over the top towards mm-hmm. the end of that that it just is like, is this just a bad performance? No, I love it. Is he really getting that upset about uh, yeah, it? Yeah, I love that scene. Number one, because you have him coming off of a missed answer. So you have the other guy, Emmett. Right. And Emmett can't get his clue. So he's already upset. Right. And he's clearly a guy who is unstable, and that's been established mm-hmm. well and in the, advance. The, and the clue is that, is the clue is, is a, or the key word or whatever is that is woman, right? And the and whole thing get, is that he can't recognize that she's a woman. He right. only sees her as a little girl because he's a pedophile. Exactly. That's great. That's <laughs> yeah, great. It is. And it's already now kind of amped him up. So not only is he upset at the flubbed, mm-hmm. you know, clue, but he's he's also realized it's been revealed a little bit. You know, that I don't think that he's cognitively kind of registering like, oh, no, she knows I'm a pedophile. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of revealing his secret, which he's been revealed as a guy who is doing he's doing what he's doing out of a compulsion. He's not proud of what he's doing. Because he he truly, I think, starts off trying to believe that he's creating a family. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up morphing into this killer. Um so no, I thought that I thought that it built that it's not like we come on, that's his first clue, and he's already like like screaming. But it's his second clue. Yeah, but but he's <laughs> but he's been already like put sure. on edge. So I think it works well in the context of the scene. Yeah, it just felt a little much, a little bit too much for me. Yeah, and that's sensitive. what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I wasn't. There are there are moments where like, wow, this is a really great performance from John Goodman, and then there are moments where I'm thinking, is this like awkward because it's supposed to be awkward, or is this just a is this a bad performance for John Goodman right now? Pretty much all the time that's going to feel awkward. I'm like. That's that's Goodman acting, yeah, I'm making not, it awkward. I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced. Um, the only other note I had, and I don't know if you noticed this, or if it just is, if it's not as bad as I was as as it seemed to me. I thought the opening was great. The title sequence, oh, that's was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. The problem I had is for about the first twenty minutes of the movie. The score is loud and it is nonstop. <laughs> it there there is not a moment, even in the smallest, most intimate. She's locked in a cell by herself. The score is still like swelling in the background, and I'm sure it's a stylistic thing. I think I read an interview with Dan Trachtenberg about. Um, how he was sort of playing into those things. Mm-hmm. But for the first 20 minutes, the score is way too much for me. And it was just like, I mean, like a, a simple moment where she's talking to John Goodman for the first time or whatever, and you've got this loud score in the background. It's just like, why is this playing? Why can I not just hear these two talk to each other? So that, to me, was a little off-putting. I just didn't understand why didn't the score me. kept going. All right. Uh, so that's <laughs> I guess that's just me um, 
but that was the only that was the only thing that really and I think it died down after that. Um, yeah, I think generally people love the score. I I have to well, be honest; it's say, a totally normal score. It's not like unique in any way. I've, it just sounds like a normal movie score. I've heard some people coming out and and kind of making special note of this score. I, I have to say, it didn't stand out to me either way. You know, neither bad nor good. I wasn't really paying attention to it, and it could be part of the you know part of that problem where again, like I think a lot of film critics know Dan Trachtenberg right. and that's, and that's part of the problem too, where that could be coming out of just people's goodwill towards him. There's mm. just like, Hey, I like this. I like that. I like this other thing. Uh, and maybe they're, they're liking it more than, than they would another film from somebody they didn't know. Um, but yeah, the score didn't stand out to me either way. what do you think of the, um, kind of set design and did any of the direction in that enclosed set stand out to you as being particularly like interesting or did you just think, Oh, this is competently shot in this small space? Um, I would put it, you know, a notch above competently shot. I thought it was very well directed. There wasn't any one shot really that stuck out to me. Right. But it was very sort of um and maybe I'm thinking more of when she first gets out of the bunker. But it does feel very sort of Steven Spielberg, JJ Abrams. Of course, yeah. You know what I mean? Um but there wasn't anything that really stuck out to me in particular. There were a couple like um what did you think of Emmett getting shot? You know, I like that scene. That's another uh, scene where I've heard people lose their stuff over. Uh-huh. They're just like, that was incredible. And I thought it was a good scene. Yeah. Nothing about it jumped out at me as revelatory. Yeah. But I did. I did like it. Yeah. I thought that I thought it was good. Um, it was. It, was definitely unexpected for me. Um, and I think what the, I think more than that scene is the one right after it where John Goodman shows up and he's shaved. That, that was really one, creepy. That yeah. one got me. I, and and there's a podcast I listened to too, where I, where I feel like one of them was talking about the Emmett gang shot scene. Somebody else was just like casually like, well, you know, there's an open vat of acid between them. You right. know, like it, it's not like he was cooking him eggs and then he blew his brains out. I yeah. mean, they were having a confrontation and he's unstable and there's an open vat of acid. So, yeah. you know, whether you get shot or whether you get shoved in the vat of acid, um, you know, the fact that something happened in that scene makes sense. Now, the fact that John Goodman shaves in the next scene. Yeah. Is completely unexpected. That's a really good touch. Terrifying. Yeah, that was really creepy. Um, but what did what I found a little strange about that was when she's then running through the so you know, John Goodman shoots Emmett and then he's like, Don't worry, I'll take care of the cleanup or whatever. Assuming he's going to just dump him into the, the barrel of acid. Mm-hmm. And then later she's running through the thing, through the bunker. 
And you just see Emmett like in a box <laughs> at the side of a hallway. It's just like, wait a minute, what? What? I kind of got the sense that he was being kind of, you know, fed into the yeah. acid kind of piece. Yeah, I just thought it was strange that John Goodman <coughs> thought his cleaning up would be, yeah, I'll just put him in this box and let him slowly dissolve in this open hallway. She won't mind. You know what I mean? Was that, it in his room? I feel like I don't remember where it was at, but yeah. I remember her running by it. Right, I feel like it was in his room. Might have been. Um, but other than that, I liked it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in. It's interesting. So, what do you? How do you feel about this? Did you like Cloverfield? I did. So, how do you feel about this? I've, I think, read somewhere that they're now sort of looking at Cloverfield as kind of like a universe, a Cloverfield. Yeah, to tell different stories in. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about? How do you feel about that? Does I like that because everyone is freaking out about the Marvel universe. Uh huh never been done before they've got things planned for the next 20 years now dc is trying to get on board and it's just this kind of strict approach of how do we make all these characters interact with each other Mm -hmm. how do we bring them together in different films and it's very stuck where we're to the point now in the marvel movies no matter how good they are i feel like they they will all be plagued by the Marvel universe because Mm -hmm. you have to do so much work to tie it in that you can't just have like Ant-Man and then be done with Ant-Man. It's like Ant-Man. Now how's this going to tie in? And they have to make it, they have to do references to it. Mm -hmm. They have to like include all these other characters and it sometimes can derail the momentum of, of a film Mm -hmm. with what I like about this is you are building a, a film universe, but you're not, you're finding a way to do it without being held to expectation. So if you have a great idea that involves aliens in some way, shape or form, then you can set it in that universe and you can get funding for it because you're going to claim it's part of the Cloverfield universe. And 10 Cloverfield lane had a great opening weekend. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to go on to do extremely well. So by showing that that's a viable model, They've just now guaranteed funding for at least their next few ideas and their next few ideas can go anywhere they want, you know, and any Cloverfield film doesn't necessarily have to follow in the footsteps. Like the next one does not have to be her driving down the road and getting to the place mm-hmm. where, you know, the front lines like that could be it for her story forever. And I'd, I'd be totally happy with that. Yeah. But if they ever wanted to go back and do something in the Cloverfield original universe or something like that. I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah. It seems like more of a marketing gimmick than anything. Like, I mean, like you said, the aliens in this aren't the same or the monster in this isn't the same as in Cloverfield, Mm -hmm. which I remember the monster in Cloverfield being more like a Godzilla, right? It had legs. It was kind of, but it was a big monster. Oh, it was huge. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, to me, it just seems like, like I said, because this was title, because this had Cloverfield in the title, you're you know what to expect more or less mm-hmm. when you go outside. 
So I feel like that only. I feel like that I feel like that helps the end, which probably needed the most help, but I feel like it kind of hurts the the drama inside the bunker because at no point inside the bunker was I at all curious about what was outside or about whether or not John Goodman was right or wrong. Like, you know what I mean? I knew he was wrong. I knew he was crazy from the beginning because this is a Cloverfield movie. And and that's why I feel like I would have wished that they would have found different ways to subvert this story. Because the story, as subversive as it is and twisty as it is, it still follows a general outline that you would think of for doing a Cloverfield universe film mm-hmm. like this. And Clover, what does Cloverfield mean? What did it mean in the first movie? Was it a code What's name? It a code name? I That's what was I was going to say. But now it's this guy's address? Like, yeah, I know that's street. nitpicking, but like, I just don't understand what it, what it, what it means. It had me thinking like, was Cloverfield the name of the city the first movie we took place in? But yeah, I feel like it was a code name or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't have anything, anything else. I don't have any other thoughts. Well, um, I have one other thought, but I'm not going to say it online. I'm just going to say JJ Abrams. I got an idea for a Cloverfield <laughs> universe movie. Uh-huh. I don't just want to give this one away for free. So give me a. Just follow me on Twitter. Okay. There and, you go. I'll be. What is your Twitter handle? Uh, at things come right. Okay. But I will. I will be willing to change that to uh, Cloverfield. Right. Bought my soul. Uh, <laughs> if that. If that will help. Uh huh. Um. Sure. We look forward to Keith. Looks forward to uh, hearing from you, Mr. Abrams. <laughs> Just to follow on Twitter, we can get this ball rolling because I need. I need him to follow me so I can do a direct message. Right. That's really right. You don't want to just out. tweet that out into the ether for anyone mm. to steal. No, this one's too good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you've been listening to Everything's Interesting. I am Justin Blizzard. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Z's. Uh, I will not be soliciting JJ Abrams for any ideas. I gave away all my ideas for free already at you the did. beginning of the show. And I'm all were, tapped out. They were great. And they were middling at best, I would they were say. Great. Um,. You can follow the show on Twitter at EI Podcasts. We are slowly and painfully wrapping up our television podcast on 112263. So you can check that out if you uh, are watching that show. Um, and if you're not, I would not recommend either. Don't listen to our podcast and don't watch that show. <laughs> right. It's dragging us down. Yeah. To be fair, it's it's the show's fault. Yeah. But we will be doing uh, more shows, hopefully better shows on that later. Uh, Any other information you can get from our website, eipodcast.com, or in the show notes. And uh, we don't have any future, uh, we don't have plans for any future shows, right? There's nothing coming out soon, or I still need to read that book. Yeah, you do. Which I haven't done, which I'm sure at this point you're probably forgetting now, right? I still I got enough for an episode if we if we right. act on this. I'll try and read it. Um, so maybe we'll be talking about the short drop, but we'll have something in the next uh, upcoming weeks. Um, so we'll see you then. 